Russ, welcome back from vacation. I love the Hawaiian shirt. I love the very deep tan. Um, and you've handed me a card here that says I'm supposed to refer to you only as D.A. Wildman. Mm-hmm. Sorry, the wild man. Uh, what happened to you? You know, I sort of found myself in the wilds oh. of America. There's a song by uh, Paul Simon called America. And I basically... Yes, <laughs> you're coming. I basically, uh, you know, rode around on a bus uh, and just experienced the world. Um, and <laughs> how is it out there? Yeah, it's, how's it going? You know, <laughs> it might bus. surprise you, but things are not great. Mm-hmm. That being said, I had a lot of fun. Uh, you know, just I have. <laughs> what people can't see is uh russ was shaking as he was describing this trying to remember his vacation until he slowly just collapsed yeah should russ should uh hitchhike across america so he could set a record for getting mugged like he will have imagine Russ just like thumbing his way across America. He'll come back. He'll have seen every every nondescript ditch in this great country of ours as he's repeatedly mugged. The most muggable man in America. That's frustrating. Sorry, did you say huggable? Oh no, no, no. Sorry, it, it broke up. Muggable oh. because of his frame. <laughs> Very muggable. You look at me. That's dead weight. <laughs> you don't want that. <laughs> He's going to lie on the ground like a toddler. <laughs> He's not going anywhere. Russ, you put him in your trunk. What do you hey, got? Hey, I think Russ could really whip my ass. <laughs> in physical combat, I are you hearing this, Russ? I thought I you were going to qualify could, it. Nah, man. No qualifiers necessary. Wow. I think you, yeah. you got reach. Let's do a combat ranking of the podcast. Okay. Yes. Oh, no. Yes. I am below Russ. That's all I know. That's all I know. Chris and Justin, y'all slot in wherever y'all want, but I am below Russ for sure. I do kicks. I do do kicks, so it's worth factoring that in when we're Long ranking. Spindly kicking legs. We're fucked, guys. I yeah. think Russ is on top. I know what I said earlier, but Russ has the incredible power of child-free sleep. And I have not experienced that for so many years that I've atrophied. I don't feel like I can experience that level of the level of joy and contentment Russ has in his life. I am basically a a member of the Justice League compared to you guys at this point. My name is Justin McElroy, and I know the best game of the week. My name is Griffin McElroy, and I know the best game of the week. My name is Christopher Thomas Plant, and I know the best game of the year. My name is Russ Frederick, and I know the best game of the week. Hello, and welcome to the Besties, where we talk about the latest and greatest in home computer entertainment. Uh, I thought we were going to talk about Spelunky 2, but judging from Chris Plant's intro, we're talking about uh, Griftlands, finally. Oh, no. The, uh, oh, no. the episode everybody's been waiting for. No, we're talking about Spelunky 2. Follow-up to Spelunky 1 that came out 17 years ago on vinyl, and now <laughs> Spelunky 2 is here. You, you know those punch cards they use to send someone to space? That's what <laughs> yeah. they program Spelunky 1 on. <laughs> right. 
Here's a summary. Splunky 2 is a roguelike, uh, which you're basically Indiana Jones, and you uh, are going through a 2D environment of caves, moving ever downwards, using bombs and ropes and uh, jetpacks and anything else that you can find to eventually reach the end. Uh, An incredibly simple game until you actually start playing it, and you die and you die and you die and you discover that it is filled with secrets, which we are not going to spoil too many of after the break. Y'all, you already know how much I love our sponsor of the week, Rocket Money. They make it so easy to get your personal finances on track, and especially stop worrying about all these subscriptions that you have that you don't necessarily need. Keep the ones you want, get rid of the rest. Here's how it works. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. That might sound too good to be true. I have tried it myself on multiple different monthly payments I have and it's worked, which is incredible and so much easier than getting on the phone with all these companies and trying to wrangle this yourself. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. So cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash besties. That's rocketmoney.com slash besties rockamoney.com slash besties key 2 let's be perfectly frank the thing I think most of us are interested let me be frank let's not ever <laughs> conjure that in particular specter again uh Justin has been such a detractor of the entire sort of Spelunky franchise mm. I don't think that's fair I think I it's incredible. I, I feel like I've always been very honest about the fact that it is my own personal taste, yeah. not a fault of Spelunky. Sure. What did you call it last? Spifun- did you say Spifunky? You see, you had some very charming way <laughs> of, di- of... Anyway, uh, you've had a very recent sort of reversal of of your, a change of heart, a Grinch-like embiggening in, in of your heart with uh, regards to Spelunky 2. And I, I am very excited to hear how that came to pass. Maybe this is a useful jumping off point. I don't know. I I knew that we were going to talk about it on this episode. And I thought, well, the energy of me just being like, I don't get it, won't be very fun. So I thought, okay, I have a week. I'm just going to sit down and like try to force myself into liking this game. Because I'm someone who, okay, as someone who, as a quote unquote true gamer, mm. uh, my gaming uh, persona is I like to be progressing. I like a narrative being told to me. I like to be progressing and feel like I'm advancing in whatever I'm doing. And the problem, the the thing that I had with Spelunky, the problem that I had was I didn't feel like I was making any progress. It just felt like I was spinning my wheels constantly. Mm-hmm. And even when I would get a little bit farther than normal, I felt like I'm just, um, you know, I, I it was luck, whatever. I, I'm not actually progressing because then I'd be back to the beginning. And what I what I decided to do was, and this was really the change of heart that I had that kind of unlocked the series for me and then locked my enjoyment of it. You die 
a lot in Spelunky 2. There's times when you die almost instantly. I mean, literally, <laughs> not a joke. Sometimes the first thing you jump off of, there'll be a spike trap there. You jump off, the spike hits you. That's half your life. You might as well restart. I had a four-second run. in Spel- <laughs> a four se- I looked at the clock. It was amazing. I jumped down. I got punched by one of those fists and landed in a pit of spikes. Four seconds. It was, like a, it was amazing. The way I changed my brain that actually unlocked this series for me is I made the decision to stop giving a shit mm-hmm. about mm. how far I made it in, in the game. I stopped caring about how far I progressed. And I instead, um, my my kid is uh, uh, in virtual school and she's in the same room, you know, with me. So when, when she would get off of class and have a break, she would sometimes come and sit and watch me play. And we just started like, I decided one, I was just going to have fun mm-hmm. and enjoy it every time. And I was going to treat it always as a learning exercise mm-hmm. more than a progression exercise. I stopped caring about what I was progressing and started thinking more about what I was learning, yep. right? And when I did that, all of a sudden, I was advancing with every run because I was thinking about like, okay, well, I died almost instantly that time, but I did learn that if, um, I'll give like a bizarre example, like if I throw an arrow and it hits somebody and then falls back down to the ground, it hits me and I could die. So that's something I need to be careful of. Yeah. Or even something simple like those spike traps, they leave their arrows behind and the I'll pick up the arrow that it dropped and I can use that as a weapon. Or to make it even, like I used to get really hung up on items. There's items in the levels where you're collecting gold as you go. You get the gold and you can use that to buy items. That always was such a freezing point for me in previous Spelunky games or the previous Spelunky because I was like, I don't know what I I don't know how to min max this. I don't know what's going to give me the best results. I don't know what the most powerful thing is. I don't know what. But when I switched to, well, I don't know. I haven't used that. I'm going to pick that up and see what it does. And when I made that flip, all of a sudden it it really became a lot more pleasurable because then it was not like. Oh man, I had ten thousand gold and I was doing really well, and then I wasted it on this pitcher's mitt that didn't help me get any farther. <laughs> the teleport. There's almost no such thing as like a quote great run in Spelunky, which is to say, like as you get very, very, very good, you might like end up with like a shitload of items, but that happens like dozens and dozens and dozens of hours in. Every run before that, you might feel like you're having a great run. But in truth, every <laughs> single run can end in a split second. So you don't you shouldn't feel like, oh, I was unlucky. I would have made it had I, you know, been a little bit luckier. You wouldn't have. You would have died. But what you did learn, to Justin's point, was every single item that you got and you know, oh, I know that sticky bombs are super useful for taking out the giant uh, spiders, for example. Like that stuff carries over. There's your progression. And the progression is invisible because it's your fucking brain. I, I, just as an interesting like side note to that. So Plant and I were playing the uh, on PC, which is coming out in a couple of weeks, but we were playing like an early build before launch. And halfway through that, um, I found out that there was an updated build and the and the devs told me, hey, just a heads up, if you update this build, it'll wipe all your save progress. And I did it. 
like I had like a dozen hours into the game and I did it because it did not matter because I was immediately able to get back to the point that I was just before, even with no save progress whatsoever, because you cannot wipe my brain. <laughs> it's amazing. That's the cool effect. And the, the, when I really started to like get into a groove with it is it gave me that feeling of as you learn these things and you do them enough times, eventually it gets filed into like subroutines yeah. of my brain that aren't conscious anymore. Mm-hmm. And then it's very cool because it starts to feel like the reference point I was having in popular culture is the bit in Princess Bride after they've learned how to navigate the fire swamp and they understand if they hear a popping noise. Like, yeah. And they're just easily manage their way through it. Dark Souls does this too. Right. You play a section enough times, eventually you're like, okay, stab that guy, turn right. around, kill that person. And, and, and Spelunky got to that point where I wasn't thinking... Oh, there might be a spike trap around there. I was just in my periphery, like keeping an eye out and thinking about it and not really consciously looking out for it to where that stuff didn't like get me as much. Cause I knew, I mean, I, I had forced myself into right. learning this stuff. Yeah. So th- this is a tip for people who are playing for the first time. And I honestly, I played Slunky for so long that I, I ignored it until I reinstalled the game again last night, doing similar to like what Fresh just said. So I had to replay through the beginning of the game. And what happens your first time through is anytime you kill a new enemy or pick up literally any object, a little notebook appears, letting you know it's been filed to the notebook and like what the object is. And that that cue, I think, is a good a good moment if you're playing for the first time to like take a breath and be like, okay, what did I actually just learn from that? The instinct is to just you know blast through and just pick up a whole bunch of objects, and you know you pick up a rock and you think, well, it's a rock. Like, I guess I use it to hit people. Um, obviously, a rock can do a lot more in this game than just hit people. It can set off, it can trigger traps, it can it can do a variety of things, and I think. That I, I, I found really useful because I made that mistake, honestly, going through Spelunky 2 the first time. I, I talked to Fresh about this um, while I was doing my review, is you assume, because you were good at Spelunky 1, that you understand Spelunky 2. And the reality is you, you do not. You have to relearn a whole lot of things. I mean, the, reading is, is the, the perfect metaphor for this game. That is what you are doing. You're learning to read the screen mm-hmm. very quickly right. mm-hmm. and if you do not take the time to actually learn to read and continue to play it as if it were like mario you'll hate the game i mean yeah. it, it, it it will punish you that's a really important distinction the other thing that unlocked this for me is i all the my main biggest thing that i couldn't get past the first time i was playing plunky is it feels really bad to whip and jump with your whip and whip at stuff. Mm. It just doesn't, for me, whatever it is, it just didn't feel right. Every time that I would like see a bat coming at me, I would jump at the bat and try to whip him and then I would get hit almost every time, mm-hmm. right? What I, the, the thing that I start, I changed on this is like, on this run that finally helped me with that is I stopped thinking about it as a, an, an action game or a platformer even and started to think about whip as like part of a puzzle vocabulary versus my main tool for navigating this environment, right? Yeah. If I'm ready for the bat when he's, fl- if I navigate myself to a point where the bat only has one course yeah. and that's to fly straight at me, then I'm going to whip him every time. If I'm flying at him and jumping at him, I'm I there's a very good chance I could get the timing wrong because that's not 
uh, like I haven't set up perfectly for that encounter, right? right. Like, and yeah. that is the thing. You can't just charge your way through and whip at everything that comes at you. It's 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 got to be more deliberate. I feel like I, I I we have talked a lot about what makes Spelunky tick, uh, and I think that all of those things are better in Spelunky Two even than they were in Spelunky One. And Spelunky One is like you know pretty close to a perfect game in like what it did uh, all of these things that we're talking about it was so like single-mindedly focused on achieving those really very rare sort of game design ideas and it did all of those things like just as it wanted to do it which is a very very difficult thing for video games to do and spelunky 2 is a lot more ambitious mm-hmm. um and f- frankly just like a lot more feature rich uh, there is it's bigger in terms of like levels uh, and it is a lot more sort of um, it's not uniform necessarily the way that the levels work there are uh, again like we don't want to spoil everything because the joy of of this game is discovering things but there's like branching paths as you explore mm-hmm. through the world and some you know it, it goes through that Mario uh, Super Mario Brothers like level numbering system of like one 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 two one three one four but then like you'll reach an area that's not. That, that is not four stages in a row and you kind of have to like learn where that slots into your run. It has uh, fluid dynamics and that's a very, very important system for certain levels where the fluid, if you touch it, you die instantly, uh, which is probably the wildest thing about Spelunky 2 and maybe the thing that I'm not clicking with uh, is that that adds a kind of, having a fluid physics system in the game kind of betrays the... Um, precision having this element of it's it's chaotic and and, and an inherently not chaotic I mean it's chaotic in that like a bunch of shit can go wrong very fast but it follows a system of rules that are learnable and dependable and having like you know a blob of of lava fall on you because it happened to roll off a certain surface some way is like oh shit okay so so I want to talk about that specifically because that's like I think really ties into the core of Spelunky is a lot, you know, you're talking about lava specifically. Like, uh, lava was in the last game, but here it will like ooze around corners, and like if you blow up the floor of a bunch of lava, it'll obviously fall and pool in different places, and that is kind of the epitome of like spelunky stuff. Where like, sure, absolutely, occasionally you will die, and there was nothing you could have done to stop it. But I would say that's like one in maybe 30 times. The other times, the way I play like through lava levels now, I'll see it and I'll be like, oh, I treat that the same way I would like a spike pit or, uh, you know, a we of like a difficult enemy where I know like, hey, if something blows up near there, God knows what's going to happen below that lava when it falls, but it's not going to be good. So I got to no. avoid that whatever possible. And And there are times when it happens and there's nothing I can do to stop it. And then you just have to maneuver around that. And again, that is Spelunky, is like dealing with situations as they're presented to you. Yeah, the way I I, I had a similar beef with the lava uh, at the beginning, I've come to appreciate it. it. It makes you think about what's above you versus what's below you. And I think that is like the big change that it brings to Spelunky. I think usually in Spelunky, it's, okay, I'm working my way down. I need to constantly be seeing what's underneath me. I need to prepare for it. Um, where the lava levels, if you, if a bomb goes off or there's a shortcut that you can trigger that can really cause some mayhem yep. with lava, um, 
you're going to have to live with that. And mm-hmm. what I, the shortcut, for example, I quickly realized like, that's just not my goal for these runs. Like I'm not going to set that thing off because like I am, that is so far more advanced than it's, I mean, it's not a shortcut. It's an extension. It's so far more advanced than like what my goal is. And I think that is the other thing that you have to remember. And I think it, I, honestly, it gets to what you were talking about, Justin, of like having a purpose when you play this game, mm-hmm. going into each run and saying like, this is my goal. My goal is that I'm going to figure out what this one secret thing does. Or my goal is I'm going to try to get a shotgun and a jetpack, and I'm going to try to get to the end of the the main version of the game. There are multiple endings. Um, I think when I when I start playing like that is when I enjoy the game the most. But when I try to like make every run into a little bit of everything is when I end up like dying in some embarrassing way because I was just trying to do too much. It does have shortcuts, which is like the returning system of uh, like the through line progression mm-hmm. of if you reach certain points in the game, there will be a, uh, a a character who, after you meet them a certain number of times and give them a certain number of things, they will open up a shortcut so that you can jump right to that point in a run, which is, I, I, I am very grateful that that is in there because while I agree with everything you're saying about treating each run as educational rather than like a progression like thing, I think that is true to a certain point, but I also feel like I have reached points where I'm like, okay, I know a fucking lot about this. I yeah. would just love yeah. to see like, I would love to see what the next level looks it, like. But that's not a contradict. I mean, that's not contradictory to what I was saying because I, by the time I unlocked that shortcut, I felt like I had learned all the learning that I needed to do in that, in that area. Like I got it. Like yeah. I knew what all the different things did. It's just a question of like, did I execute well? Also the yeah. shortcuts aren't like, um, things in so many roguelikes where it's like well now that i've got the shortcut i can beat the game using this the shortcuts are just for training you you yeah, do the yeah. shortcuts to train up in certain areas and then when you're ready to do like a real run you go back to the beginning and play from the beginning because you need one thing every... i didn't love about the shortcut yeah the first yeah, one that i unlocked was at one four um which which is like you know the end of the first world everybody starts in the same first world it's like a mine type deal mm-hmm. um there is a at the point that you shortcut to there is a door to a second world, and there's also a uh, box that has a friend in it. A uh, friend, friend in quotation marks. <laughs> a, a partner, right? Yeah, and I got the pr- friend every time, and it just was annoying to have to like go get them. And then take them to the door or not. But I guess it's because some people don't want to take. Yeah, the no, definitely not. The friends are terrible. <laughs> yeah, they're, I, see, they're yeah AI. I found it. I found it um, helpful because it kept me from focusing too much on how I was doing. Sure. You know what I mean? Like I really it really forced my hand on the whole educational aspect of it because like it gave me another opportunity to watch someone do something different. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of times, you know, you could learn something from that there's a different enemy behavior or, or things like that speaking of terrible friends I, I i would be remiss if we did not talk about the multiplayer in this game it has online multiplayer which was not in the first Palunky, which we have not I, I don't know i have not messed around with uh but i have messed around with uh what's it called Russ? steam uh, it's like steam uh, play like couch play i forget what the term is on steam. essentially it it allows uh, a, another steam user to simulate local co-op right with you. so i'm basically i dialed into griffin's computer and played on his screen now it should be worth noting when when the game comes out on steam uh the, on september 29th online multiplayer will be in there in theory 
Um, so most people will not experience the game using the Steam Remote Play. They'll just use online multiplayer. Yeah. But I, I don't I don't know how I've not heard how the online multiplayer I've heard there's works still on some PS4. bugs to work yeah, out. Yeah, I that. have to that the the net code I from what I understand is like the the kind of the biggest last piece of the puzzle. But all that said, uh, because we were playing sort of in simulated co-op, we had to share one screen, mm-hmm. uh, which is how it works if you play local co-op uh, in Spelunky. And I'm sure this is true for the the online multiplayer too. It is uh, a level of slapstick comedy that I have not seen in a video game maybe ever. Yeah. It is... It, uh, it is the the number of accidental Rube Goldberg things that can happen and completely mess you up uh, is exponentially increased with each additional human being that you throw into the mix. And, and that's amazing, right? Like I will be teetering on an edge and uh, accidentally drop the boomerang I was holding, which will fall into Russ and knock him into a pit where there's just like two cavemen bouncing around who will just play volleyball with his dead ass body. At the, <laughs> and all of that started because like I was accidentally standing too close to a ledge. That's very funny. There is also a... So uh, opportunities for trolling, the likes of which I have not seen since like the witch in uh, Left for Dead, which was always my favorite thing when I would like play Left for Dead with all the joystick uh, buddies. Is like they would be like Griffin, please God, don't don't anger the witch who was just this monster that if you got too close to her or shot her, she would freak out and kill everybody. I'd be like, I won't, I won't, I won't. Bah, 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 bah. <laughs> this game has so many ways to do that, and it's absolutely hysterical. There's a jar that uh, if you wait too long in a level, a ghost comes and will slowly hover towards you, and if he touches you, he kills you. There's also a jar with an expensive diamond in it, but if you smash that jar to get the diamond out, you summon the ghost right away, Uh, and it's very fun to do that with Russ, uh, who just begins begging you, please, God, don't touch that jar. Please don't get that jar. (laughs) And I'm like, but the money is so good. The money's in the jar. We need the money. It's amazing. If you treat those experiences as like, not for I, I, you know, to Justin's point, not for progress, but just for like fun hangout. You will have such a fucking blast. It really is um, tremendous, and uh, it, I think that's really the best way to experience it with someone else. It also, for what it's worth, gives you some padding because like a death yeah. isn't necessarily a death. If someone, di- if your buddy dies, they turn into a ghost and can float around the screen helping you by like blowing wind at items and knocking them off shelves and uh, even freezing enemies now, they like really buff the ghosts. So it actually is somewhat of an easier game if you are like super coordinated, which most most it's, people aren't. It's- it's much easier. The, the the by far the farthest I've gotten in this game has been playing yeah. with Russ. Uh, because you can also revive your ghosts if you find like one of those uh, coffins that have the buddies in them. It's your it's your co op partner, and they revive with like full health. And it's it's you can just sort of chain those together. It and, it's I've I've very I've really enjoyed Spelunky too. I am like really having trouble making a lot of progress in it, but mm. I find the multiplayer to be like. It's by far, it's like defining selling point. Yeah, it is, it's ab- it is absolutely fucking delightful. It is so good. And I'm so glad that more people are going to get to do it with the online uh, stuff that's in there now. I do want to say one more thing. Um, at this point, I looked the other day. I'm at 65 hours logged in Steam. Um, I have played so much of this fucking game. Literally last night, I reached an area 
that I have never been to before, <laughs> never seen before, totally brand new to me. Not like a final area, like an area that's like in the middle, like somewhere that I've like walked past 10,000 times at this point, never noticed it, didn't know how to get there, finally reached it, and it was a fucking incredible moment. And the fact that that's still happening 65 hours in yeah. is outrageous like that is amazing and there's still more to do like there's still a ton that like the internet has had this game for a week and still has not really beaten it fresh sent me a video from this area and i won't say any specifics of what happens in it other than looking at the video so much was going on that i did not understand <laughs> that it might as well have been a different game <laughs> it's just deeply confusing it says it's secretly frog fractions yeah <laughs> Uh, we are going to be talking about a lot more, including the uh, console wars finally beginning in earnest. <laughs> a lot of Sony cronies and uh, Xbox uh, going head to head. But first, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be right back. You go get a phone. You just want a phone to talk to your friends and family. You're not asking so much. Then you get these contracts and you get ripped off because you got all this fine print little details and all of a sudden they're sucking money out of your pocket like some sort of digital leech. You know, the contract may sound good uh, up front, but there's always some sort of catch. You know who's not going to do that to you? Not going to pull that nonsense? Mint Mobile. Their wireless plans. There is no catch. $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those savings directly on to you you want to pay hundreds of dollars for like literal hundreds of dollars for your wireless plan or you want to have a nice easy solution save some put the bucks back in your pocket pay 15 bucks a month say bye to your overpriced wireless plans jaw-dropping monthly bills the unexpected overages sound familiar to get this new customer offer and get your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash besties. That's mintmobile.com slash besties. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash besties. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. This episode of The Besties is sponsored by Aura Frames. All right, so you know there are a number of people in your life that are not necessarily the most technologically savvy. I'm sure immediately names jump to your mind. Those are the sorts of people that you would say, oh, maybe they would want a digital picture room in their house, but they wouldn't necessarily be able to like set it up and get it working and add new pictures and stuff like that. That is where Aura Frames comes in. It's a digital picture frame that allows you to basically upload any photos that you have directly to the frame. You don't need them to do any work. In fact, you could even set it all up before they even open the box. You have the account set up. You just have to connect it to their Wi-Fi. And once that's done, everything happens over the internet. So you can add new photos, you can do whatever you want, and it all works completely smoothly. I set it up for my grandmother, who's 95 years old. I set it up for my mom, who's 70 years old. And they both love their aura frames and they love seeing the pictures and new photos of the family all being added without them having to do anything. So I'd highly recommend it. I'm really, really happy with it. And right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. 
For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frame with code BESTIES. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com, promo code BESTIES. Terms and conditions apply. How fucking hard is it to put up a website where it's like, (laughs) click here to buy the Xbox. Click here, buy PlayStation 5. It'll be there. It'll be there November. Click it. Amazon has been making like online store pages for quite some time. I want to say but, 20 but years. But you don't do that. Now it's like, hey, Griffin, it's Am- it's your old buddy, Bezos. And uh, you want that PS5? Click here. Click here. It's a picture of a puppy dog. And the puppy dog's like, oops, we fucked up. Just make the website where you click the thing and you can buy the thing that'll be at your house in two months that you don't need. It's fucking easy. Uh it, it was a wild week as the, both the pre-orders went live for PlayStation 5, which which happened first, uh, and Xbox. Uh, PlayStation 5 was kind of a mess because it was announced on... Tell me if I have this timing right, but it was basically announced on... Tuesday. Memory serves. Tuesday, that on Thursday, the pre-orders would... They, that, sorry, it was announced on Tuesday that pre-orders would happen Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Tuesday night... <laughs> pre-orders just popped off everywhere i think Uh, walmart broke the dam because walmart literally tweeted like are we gonna wait fuck nah fam come get your ps5 like literally tweeted that like are we gonna wait for what we agreed on with the manufacturer fuck that we're walmart baby rebel edge and then like everybody else was like oh well if walmart's doing it right and then they did it in sort of a staggered form uh and uh then we had uh the xbox i completely missed that mess so maybe somebody who was more plugged in can explain how that went yeah uh so xbox was a little bit better insofar as before it happened microsoft like several days before it happened microsoft was like hey pre-orders are going to go live on uh this was um september 22nd at 11 a.m eastern time um, it's going to be available here, here, and here, and here, and so just be ready. So that's great. That's a, that's a good start. Um, 11 a.m. came round, and and sites basically started shitting the bed pretty hardcore. Um, I was able to get into Microsoft.com, home of the Xbox, uh, and after 10 minutes of failing pages on Microsoft.com, I was actually able to pre-order an Xbox Series X even though I am not sure why I did it, but I did it. <clears throat> and um, But in terms of the other websites, basically the same situation happened, uh, which was just like an enormous amount of traffic came flooding into these websites, and websites that theoretically should be able to handle this sort of mess definitely did not, um, and it was just kind of a shit show. Um, yeah. That was the thing at all the the sites being crappy is a very i mean like there is a that was a consistent theme over both of these launches of, of like stuff just not uh i tried it on best buy and on best buy i was able to like get the item the playstation 5 into my cart and then just reloaded the cart and it's like i don't know i don't know what's happening <laughs> right now and it would just crash the page or whatever so that and it seems like that's kind of the immutable right so this is a problem that uh, I, you're not going to see someone build the, uh, this is, I'm completely not in this business. I'm basing this on like when we've done like ticket sales or whatever, where a lot of people are going to try to do the ex- same thing at the exact same moment. You're not going to see these sites build the kind of infrastructure that can withstand this sort of demand because it is so rare right. 
that they would need to fill this sort of demand. They should figure it out because, you know, Apple figured it out. And don't be surprised if we see video game console releases every other year, you know? If you're Apple, though, you figured you're just people are coming to you to get the thing, right? Well, and AT&T and every wireless provider. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, also, I wanted to answer a question that uh, Fresh threw out there. Why did you buy an Xbox Series X? Because this week, Microsoft also went and bought Bethesda. Just oh, yeah. fucking bought <laughs> Bethany Esda. Just, uh, yeah. It was like, we didn't oh, even e- talk. We also didn't talk about the fucking PlayStation 5 event, which happened, I think, the day before we recorded the last Bessies, where they were like, yo, Final Fantasy 16, come and, come and get it. Come get your, come get your exclusive. Come get your Xbox 360. 360 and PS3. That yeah. game looks like an MMO. I was dope. Wow. It looks tight as hell. You're out of your mind. Yeah. Um, I still, I mean, the, the th- this is wild. The heat of the Bethesda announcement was absolutely 100% not a question time to build demand for the pre-orders. Absolutely not a question. The wild thing to me about that is like, when will there be a Bethesda Xbox exclusive game? I mean, like, not for a while, right? I think next year. What game? What game do you think that's going to be? It might not be Skyrim. It might not be Elder Scrolls or Starfield. It certainly will not be either of those. Well, games. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's fine. But they. I mean, <laughs> were you? Were you? You planning on Wet Two? I mean, they have a lot of studios, y'all. <laughs> like, it, yeah, and two of those games are going to PS Five. They didn't just buy Bethesda Game Studios, which is a developer. They bought eight. They studios. bought Bethesda. Yeah. Right. They bought Zenimax, Arcane right? and Id Software. Both Arcanes. and. Yeah, both arcanes. Right. And, yeah. yeah. No, no it's, it, it, they have a, they have a ton of stuff. I mean, I, yeah, I, I think you're right that they'll have. There's the arcane Leon game that is going to PS5 first. Deathloop. That looks rad. Yeah. But they they revealed finally like what the actual hook of that that like Groundhog's Day hook of that game during I think the PlayStation Five press conference. That game looks fucking yeah, cool looks as hell. I am very excited about that. Yeah. And then you got Ghostwire Tokyo, I guess coming in, coming next year supposedly. Yeah. Um, that that is I think that's the new um, is that Tango Tango so, yeah Tango yeah and joint. now everybody's wondering what are, what's Microsoft going to buy next you know Sega tweeted I guess earlier this month a photo of Sonic <laughs> sitting next to two neon green milkshakes uh, and fizzies or whatever they are and people are like oh here it here it comes I hey, mean hey, that would be- they have to be eyeballing at least one hey Microsoft Japanese studio you could give them very little money. Because I mean, that will be not so sell consoles. <laughs> because in in uh, Microsoft's like foothold in Japan is so it's still like pretty limited uh, compared to yeah. Sony's, and honestly, compared to Sega's, uh, that for them to 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 acquire this is, I mean, it feels pretty deep in the rumor mill, but that would be wild. It's a wild if you think about this pick. Okay, so I this is a question for you guys. First question: Will Microsoft, the as the owner of Bethesda? Will Microsoft make Bethesda games Xbox all Bethesda games Xbox exclusive? I think no, no, no. I mean, they're no. not because they're they're the the, the PC, They have no been what? they have been. Well, yeah, it'll be PC, but they uh, okay. Sorry, not PlayStation. I should, but they I feel like they. I, I don't know about PlayStation, but the the thing that has gotten me really excited about Microsoft in this this the past couple of years is their uh, willingness to kind of uh, not be so. Uh, possessive, I mm-hmm. guess, of their stuff. The uh, just this week, there was also a, a pretty great Nintendo Switch, uh, uh, Nintendo Direct last week, uh, where they announced a new Monster Hunter game. Mm, yes, I do, I do want that. But they also just like surprise released the second Ori game, 
uh, on Switch, which is a Microsoft game yeah. like joint. Uh, so both of those are on there. Cuphead is on there. Uh, so like I I don't know. I feel like I feel like that is an exciting trend. I think that, but to me, if I try to imagine, I mean, I can't think of another third party where if they decide to keep them Xbox, any of these, you got Doom, Dishonored, Wolfenstein, Elder Scrolls, Elder Scrolls, Fallout, Starfield, Rage. (laughs) <laughs> Rage Rogue Warrior I mean we can all have some fun If we want um, But like I mean that's devastating I mean I can't think of Yeah I think they're going to come out So I think Even think, as a timed exclusive think, well, yeah. think of it like Netflix right Like you can go to Target And you can buy House of Cards on DVD You'll embarrass yourself But you can go and do it <laughs> Like that's yeah. It'll Target be the same thing will laugh like, at you. You, you These games are going to come out on Game Pass Presumably first You'll pay like 10 bucks a month To get all these games But if Hey if you want to go And spend $70 To buy the game On PlayStation And it will Probably have Less features I'm I'm going to assume yeah, That they're I, going to Optimize it for For Xbox and PC That option is going to be available I don't Because why know not that. Like it's free money I, I disagree Actually Yeah so specifically when it comes to games like Fallout, like Elder Scrolls, games that are literally system sellers that people buy consoles for, I do <laughs> not think the financial benefit that Microsoft would get for selling those games even a year after release would measure up to the uh, mind share benefit of, hey, you cannot play Fallout or you cannot play Elder Scrolls on a PlayStation. That is a huge, huge advantage to discourage people from getting a PlayStation versus yeah. an Xbox. Or as, as, if I, I, I absolutely, I think that that will happen. I agree with you in theory. I, however, would be surprised if, if, if they care about this at all, part of the re- thing with Bethesda is a relationship with their fans, sure. right? These are like long dialogues. If I'm Todd Howard, I'm not gonna, there is some part of me that's like, I mean, money is money is money, but like, I am going to get a guarantee that like these people who have been with me for 20 years are not going to be like left in the cold and unable to <laughs> buy the games. Like it just seems, it seems wild to me. Even as a time to ex- like, I feel like t- what <laughs> I'm just thinking like, you don't want to mess with Howard that, that if Todd Howard leaves Bethesda though, when he had that hot mic at E3 and he was like cursing some dude out because he was so pissed. Todd Howard is an intimidating dude. Yeah. yeah, he's fucking scary. He made a bunch of great games, and he's kind of the Wizard of Oz, <laughs> basically. So no, but I—I I mean, I my bet is for we're just pulling this out of our asses. I say time exclusive. I, I feel like play it first on Xbox for three months. They get all the juice, and then later they'll they'll pick up because they still want the money, right? Like they would love the money that you would spend on fallout and elder scrolls and all that all that stuff if you look at the decisions that microsoft has made and like the different studio acquisitions they've made in the last like four years as them trying to win back the console wars as like reductive a term as that is uh i think them spending seven and a half billion with a b dollars on this like monolith of game development uh that contains all of these different studios that make all these like pretty great games i don't i don't I mean, that's such an enormous shot across the bow. Like, I don't think that these games are going to come out on Qu- PlayStation. Question 5. for y'all. A question for y'all before we wrap this section. Uh, what is 
name name the publisher that you think Microsoft could still purchase. That would be the kind of like coup de gras. But this is the like, oh, this is the megaton. It, obviously, it can't be Nintendo. It can't be Sony. But what is? Is there a publisher left that you're like that's the that's the power play? I mean, the uh, well, let's name the big publishers. It's Ubisoft. It's EA. It's. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't Cap- see Capcom. Like, if they if they really did go for like Sega and Capcom to like finally f- find purchase in the soil of like Japanese game players, like that would be to to force those people to say like, now you now you if you want to play Monster Hunter, now you <laughs> fucking have to buy our Xbox. Like that could that would be like pretty huge on a sort of global scale. I would not be surprised if you see one of the two. I think it makes more sense for Sony at this point to buy Konami and announce it with a Metal Gear Solid in development by Kojima. I don't Konami think doesn't so, make I, games anymore. Yeah, they make. Yeah, I don't. Is that guys, come on. They make oh pachinko God. machines. Do I'm I have to saying. literally explain this to you? Please. Konami is a game publisher in name only at this point that does own the rights to the Metal Gear franchise. That would be all they're buying. It's Konami, buy out their game it's Metal Gear, Nation. it's Kojima. Yeah. yeah. We own it all now, and we're buying that in, like, fucking Bokhtai. Yeah. Do they get know. the Pachinko Rock machines Revolution. as well, though? What? Do they get the yeah, Pachinko machines? the Pachinko machines. No, they'll, sh- split, they'll split it off into a separate division. I mean, it, like, Konami doesn't want to be in that business anymore. Uh, I think Capcom makes a lot of sense. Um, I, yeah, I think Capcom is the one that makes the most sense to me, because I think at the end of the day, what they're looking for is properties, too, right? Like, right. that's the appeal of Bethesda. Not only do you get all of the talented studios, but you get a ton of big names mm-hmm. and with capcom you get resident evil you get monster hunter like you said griffin you get street fighter and mega man i mean you get some really iconic games uh, i know a lot of people don't like this microsoft acquisition and i'm i myself am not a huge fan of uh giant corporate consolidation because uh, it usually does a number on creativity i will say this though in terms of uh hypocrisy <laughs> it is it was a little weird uh on social media seeing people who are pissed about this who are always like i love it last of us sony they're really pulling away with this generation look at their hot exclusives and then microsoft's like yeah we have exclusives too and they're like yeah but you can't do it that way you have to do it the other way <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah um it's wild it's uh, exciting uh, real quick round the horn pre-orders what'd you get or, or what didn't you get? Uh, I, I, I'll start. I managed to secure a PlayStation 5 from Amazon at midnight the Tuesday and completely miss Xbox pre-orders. Don't care. It has no game. Do, <laughs> don't want to burst your bubble because Justin hooked me up with that tip. He texted me at 11 p.m. My time was like, hey, get that get that Amazon PS5. And I managed to do it, the disc, the disc drive full version because I want to watch my, my all my great Blu-ray cassettes. Uh, did get an email uh, yep. the next day saying, hey, just so you know, you might not receive this item on the day it's released due to high demand. And I like, does that mean I'm not going to get it until January or <laughs> a week later? Yeah. Like, I would love to, a little bit of clarification on that Amazon, but they have not afforded me uh, as much. And I was like... Yeah, I was in the middle of a huge depressive episode when I got that, and that was just like the fucking nail in the coffin <laughs> for me. It was the one spe- speck of light I was looking forward to in my existence, and they really kicked it the, really. Kicked the, took the wind out of my sails. Uh, I was driving... Uh, I was driving for like 15 minutes when the Xbox pre-orders went up, which is, of course, a span of time where they sold out like literally instantly. So didn't get one of them. Plant? Uh, nothing. Yeah. 
I got an Xbox uh, Series X. Um, I was at a drive-in watching Jaws when the PlayStation pre-orders went live, so that didn't <laughs> I, I was trying to get one for fresh. <laughs> you failed. Will there be another run of... I mean, do we feel like there, this is not it for the calendar so year, right? We'll have another for, run. Uh, yeah, so I think there will be more for both consoles. I think they're being a little conservative because they're not entirely sure how many they can produce. Right. Um, so as the weeks go by, I think there will be more opening. It's, it is interesting, though, because Microsoft tweeted this morning saying, hey, w- essentially, we're not going to have any more ourselves, but check with um, other retailers and they might have more. So if you bought one at Microsoft.com, that's probably going to be it for Microsoft.com until launch. But I think with PS5 and Xbox, there will be other opportunities I don't know. Follow Wario sixty four. People seem to like him, and he's making a shitload of money on referrals. Oh my gosh! So yeah. Good for yeah. him. Yeah. <laughs> um, y'all, let, let's hop into some questions really quick. Uh, okay. Because I know we want to wrap. Uh, we'll do these kind of rapid fire. Uh, this is from Mushroom Boy on Twitter. Uh, farthest each of you have made it into the game level wise. Splunky. <clears throat> Splunky uh, too. I mean, the farthest I've made it is with Russ. I think to again without spoiling things like maybe the fourth or fifth. Level pretty far. I think probably the penultimate level right before the the yeah, right yes okay the world right before the quote final boss. But not yeah, really. I have not gotten anywhere close to that by myself. So yeah, I've made it to the quote final boss. Justin, uh, uh, I've made it to the fourth level of the second world several times, but that's about it. I've made it to after the final boss. I won't say more than that, but there's stuff that's after. Uh, From Christina, I'm jumping into Splunky 2 without ever touching Splunky 1. Is this a mistake? No. No. It's a godsend. It's a miracle. Yeah, Yeah, that is the thing, because there there are very, very slight, subtle changes between the two. Like, just as a simple example, the snake hitbox, like where you can jump on a snake versus not, is like maybe a millimeter off (laughs) from Splunky 1. And that took me like the longest time to like rewire my brain. Um, So, no, you're totally fine. This is definitely the best of them. um, So enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, one final thought uh, from a listener uh, from Neutral Jump Hotel. This isn't a question, but I'd love you guys uh, if you guys talked about how wonderful the caveman is in Spelunky 2. My going theory for why I like him so much is that he feels like the only entity in Spelunky who is less capable than me. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I agree with that. And the caveman has been tweaked in, in this version in two ways. Now the caveman can pick up objects. Yeah. Uh, so if you so throw funny. down like a key that you need or a, a pet for health, the caveman will pick it up. Uh, also, the caveman can trip over gold now, which can really <laughs> cause some problems for you when you think you're about to jump on him. Yeah, it's. I also just as like a little detail, if two cavemen happen to walk into one another, sometimes they'll start talking to one another in like <laughs> random caveman speak, and it is just the cutest goddamn thing. It's so great until uh, you jump on their heads yeah. and sacrifice them for <laughs> uh, break their necks. Yeah, I love seeing a caveman. Like I'll jump down and just all of a sudden see the caveman holding my dog. And he's just walking back and forth holding my dog, like so proud of himself. Um, I ju- I, w- I want to just before we wrap. That was the last question, right? Plan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just a, like a quick recommendation for people that are listening. In my opinion, the best way to play Spelunky is to treat it almost like a poker game, um, which is to say, find like three or four friends. And don't look online in terms of like what you're supposed to be doing and just share experiences between one another in addition to like playing multiplayer together. 
figuring this game out because all the everything is like presented to you, but it's like can be a little bit subtle. Figuring this game out on your own is an amazing, amazing experience. I had a yeah. moment in the shower two weeks ago, not to get a little blue, but I was in the shower and a, a realization came to me where I was like, wait, if I try this in this exact spot, what's going to happen? And I like sent it out to the number of people I was playing with. And everyone was all excited and pulling that off and then seeing it actually do the thing that I thought it was going to do was like a mind blowing, super fucking cool moment. Um, so if you can play it like that, that's really how I'd recommend it. Anybody else been playing anything else that we want to talk about real quick? Uh, I've got a game I want to talk about really quick. I, I've been playing this game called Rivals, which is on itch.io and on Steam. And Griffin, I think you especially will really enjoy this. Actually, I think all of you will. Uh, it is a video game made for fans of Wilco, an alt country that is Obra Dinn esque, um, in that you you're effectively given a collection of like posters and uh, cassette tapes and vinyl records, and you play the role of this uh, woman who is writing the I guess biography of one of the band members, and you have to go through all of this information to figure out the order of the chapters. It's like the gameplay itself isn't super dynamic. I mean, you're effectively just organizing a whole bunch of possible chapters, but it forces you to go through and really, really learn this fictional band's history um, by like reading about them, by reading interview transcripts, and by listening to like some pretty damn good alt country songs. It's it's really, really, really charming. Um, I'll play. Like I'll, I'll play anything. I'll play anything that is like similar to Oberdin. That is still a genre that I wish would. Yeah, be. that like that detective genre of piecing together information is is super cool. Uh, I've been playing 3D yeah. All Stars, the Super Mario 3D All Stars, a bit, uh, and I feel so mixed about it because so little has been done. Like virtually nothing has been done to these games to like <laughs> make them uh, feel like a you know special package aside from the fact that there's three of them in one thing uh and i played i played like i don't know i got like 35 stars in 64 uh before like that like a lot of in 64 games it is so hard to go back to it because the camera controls are just not very good uh and sunshine has never clicked for me i find that game to be sitting i think it feels good and i think like the water pack stuff is fun but like the hub world is so obtuse and uh, it's like very tough to just like find what you're supposed to be doing to like find the next level. Uh, and of course, Galaxy's great. We talked about Galaxy uh, during uh, our 2007 block, but Galaxy, I, I, I have a Switch Lite and I play everything on the Switch Lite. And when you play in handheld mode, you have to use the touch screen for things, which is like, whatever, you don't have to worry so much about the star bits because it's easy enough to drag your finger over those. But there's certain platforming elements like those, uh, there are these blue stars that you have to point your uh, thing at, your uh, Joy-Con at to like latch Mario onto it. And you have to use the touchscreen for those when you're playing in handheld mode and trying to string that together with the actual buttons is fucking bad like it doesn't feel good at all uh and so it's like it's a great game and i'm happy to have it on my handheld but if that sometimes i run into things where it's like that feels bad that's not good at all um i tell you what feels good is talking about video games and we're going to talk about another one next week 
Here comes the name of it. It's called Hades. Hades. Uh, so go play a bunch of Hades. We're going to talk about it next week. It's out on Switch now. It just hit 1.0. It's fucking great. It's on Steam as it's well. It's fucking great. It's such a treat. Um, uh, you can follow and listen for free to our show on Spotify. You can follow us at uh, The Besties Pod, which is also where you find a link to join our mailing list. Uh, you can email us, mail at besties.fan. Uh, or send the link to our show besties.fan just tell people to listen to it we really appreciate it uh, but uh, that is going to do it for us for this week so until next time be sure to join us again next week for the besties because shouldn't the world's best friends make the world's best games It's a Spotify original podcast in association with Fox Media. The show is edited by Jelani Carter and produced by Ben Hosley. And our theme song is by Ian Dorsch. Besties!